0: Welcome to the last March edition of the PFF forecast. It is Wednesday, March 29th. We have a great show today. We're gonna do more NFL win totals. We've got Seth and Arjun joining us today who are going to, um, among other things, talk about win totals they like. Uh, It's gonna be a great podcast. Let's rock. All right, Seth. Uh, we had a spirited conversation about the film watching of your first dates. I'm told that we're going to now dive into great detail on the grading uh,
1: of of set first dates. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we already know that there's a lot of negatives, a lot of minus twos even, like certainly a lot of minus 1.5s, but twos. What's first, a minus two on a first date? drooling like not like you know like I I would say like yeah drooling yeah that's that's a minus two you didn't you don't have the manual you didn't get the manual when you got (laughs) hired hit up yeah hit up hit up bed for the manual for anyone that's that's new
0: by the way welcome to this show about betting on sports and football that's what we generally talk about um but the pff grading scale uh you see it as a zero to 100 grade but when it's actually recorded by our analysts uh, it goes from negative 2 is the worst graded player can receive on any given play a positive 2 is the best and it goes in increments of 0. 0.5 a negative 2 for people that are curious it's like you wa- like you watch the worst plays in the history of football like Brett Favre's horrendous interception most of Daniel Jones's throws the butt
2: fumble should hopefully be a butt fumble too. <laughs> yeah
0: these like egregiously bad plays okay drooling wasn't even something that I had in my mind.
1: It's something that could happen on a first date. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like this is a rare occurrence. you drooled on a first date? No, no. I'm I'm not saying I've ever drooled on a
2: first date. Brad, what's a negative two in your mind? I I think drooling is a negative five, to be honest. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, a negative two would be like, just like having a bad breath or something like that. Like you just come in right off the bat and it's just like, it's already a tough start. You know what I mean it's like for me it's more mm-hmm. foundational than it is like one particular action on the date itself.
0: Okay. So I think bad breath is a good one, but that is a foundational piece. Like what's one
1: single thing you could do that's a negative two? Ordering mm-hmm. I, for your date. Oh. That is the most disgusting thing that you can do is order for someone else, especially if you like don't know them very well, like mm-hmm. first date. Yeah, that's, First date, yeah. Absolutely. Another one would be Like blowing the
0: who's paying for the bill was one that came to mind where you're just like, you just like, well, I don't know. Like, would you mind? Like,
2: would you mind? (laughs) Would you mind? (laughs) Like, oh, yeah. I just, I got to go to the bathroom real quick. (laughs) Just. The old alligator arms that they call it uh, in, in my uh, my neck of the woods. I guess another one too. Now that we're, like, we're all in restaurants, which I guess makes sense with first dates. Like if you're a dick to service people, I just don't like you mm. right off bat. So that that's a minus two for sure.
0: That's a very very good one. Um, the uh, so ordering for your
1: date, but also just just eating off your date's plate. Oh yeah. I, I would even okay. I would even this is this is a personal thing. Just without I don't asking, freaking, just unprompted. Oh, you got French fries? Yeah, here we go. I I decided at one point in my mid twenties after doing this one time that I was never gonna do it again, and I decided on on first dates I would never offer food, like oh oh that looks really good, and I say oh do you want to try it? No, I don't do that until day two. I feel like it's too intimate. <laughs> first date is offering and i know it's like like it's in my nature i think it's in all of our natures to to want to share our food if it's good but i'm like i gotta wait till the second date for some reason i think it's weird if you do it on a first date
2: i think it's so fair because then it's like do you give a share plate do you hand over your fork like like there's so many like there's so <laughs> many factors at play there yeah, here comes the airplane. Yeah, you did a little choo-choo trade on the first date. <laughs> That's a plus one and a half. I'm not gonna lie, I would, uh, I would dig that.
0: That that actually would be that would be a looks like a turnover worthy play, and then all of a sudden you save it. Yep. Yeah, it's like it, it, yeah, it's like a it's like what Patrick Mahomes does in the pocket sometimes. Uh, <laughs> here's one more uh, on this uh, on this is if someone orders your date orders something and you're like oh you eat whatever, it's like, oh, you're, that's you're, a heavy, heavy carbs on that meal, huh? Oh, you, yeah. you're going to get the fries instead of the veggies?
1: Yeah. To do that.
0: <laughs> that's the worst thing that you can do on a first date. Um, okay. Uh, let's transition gracefully into, let's start with some win totals. We also have a pet peeve and a soft spot from, uh, or one of, the, one of them, we're going to be surprised. Seth, but we talked about win totals last week. So no one wants to, or on Sunday, you can go listen to that episode, by the way, um, and check it out. No one wants to hear Brad or I talk about it. So we're going to go, Seth, you have five win totals. We're going to count them down. Let's start with number
1: five. All right. So we'll start Miami under 9.5. Reasoning being, I'm not, I don't believe in Tua yet. So can you get that same great season out of him two years in a row you know it's the same thing we say about jimmy g about sean McVay, uh, about um jared goff about those type of quarterbacks like can you go back to back and have a great season obviously the talent is there um, in terms of the supporting cast mike mcdaniel seems like he really knows what he's doing as a coordinator play caller but i think that's where i'm like okay well if the division gets better with aaron Rodgers getting in there are you still the number two team in the division and then under 9.5 makes a lot of sense to me. So that's number one.
0: Very nice. Um, By the way, on DraftKings right now, over 9.5 plus 100, under 9.5 is minus 120. It seems like they are shading uh in your direction. Brad, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, we've kind of gone back and forth. <clears throat> I think the entire AFC East, like, in a way you could talk yourself into a lot of different sides based on health based on how the other teams perform. Like it's a bit of a scary one. I don't, I don't mind fading it. Um, you know, or fading the dolphins I should say, cause yeah, I mean like if Tua, either doesn't repeat itself or his injuries do repeat themselves. I mean, that's, that's scary by itself.
0: Yeah. It's uh, I think the Tua thing is just super interesting. It's, he's a concussion away from like not playing football again. So we've talked about this bunch, but, um, that's a that's a really scary place to be. And if you don't your points up. If you don't have a decent quarterback play in that division, like it doesn't matter
1: what else you have. Um okay, number 4. Rams under 7.5 and that is just like we just have no idea what Matt Stafford is going to look like going forward. It could be really really bad. It just like the injury just could not heal itself, you know, he's in his 30s. I, I got mad problems. I'm in my thirties that don't heal themselves. <laughs> so like, like I get it. I get it. So I, I would say, and then the roster just is not good at all. It wasn't good last year. It's not going to be good this year. It's going to be even worse uh, this year. So like, to me, this is, a could be an ugly team if he
2: doesn't, uh, if the elbow just doesn't heal like the way uh, he would want it to. Yeah, we, we highlighted this one. I think we, we can just move right along. We we strongly agree with you on that position. Uh, their trenches are terrible. They're trying to get rid of more players at the same time right now, too. So, yeah, I, I think we're all in lockstep on that one.
0: It's just going to be interesting what, they, uh, what that offense looks like. They have their first-round pick next year? Yep. Okay, so the Caleb Williams tank
1: is on. Um, okay, number three. All right, my next three are overs. We're going Cowboys over 9.5. Okay. Best team in the NFC, I think. Maybe potentially somewhere there. I I best quarterback in the NFC. Uh, I'm I'm not afraid to say that. So that's really gotta be over 9.5. And the division is like obviously you have the Eagles there, but other than that, like I think the you're probably all right there. So to me, it's like a, pretty obvious that they're going to be a really good team and probably get into double digit wins.
0: It's interesting. Another good way to uh, earn a negative grade in the first day is to start off with. So, what do you think about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys this year?
1: What do you think about <laughs> Dak
0: Prescott's
2: tattoo with the bullwinkle on it? <laughs> <laughs> don't you think his interceptions were overblown? I totally, yeah. I totally agree. With you. Yeah, yeah. I will say real c- c- two things again, we're on lockstep. Judah actually was talking about, and I, the, the um, alternate line when that drops, like if you're really bullish on them and betting 10 and a half or a let like really going crazy second point, just because you mentioned the conference winner, they are plus six fifty to win the NFC. If you want to, you know, bet mm-hmm. it in that, in that way. That, that might
0: be the direction that I would go with that. Um, we talked about also, uh, an alternate under for the Niners, you know, and the Rams. So the Niners are, you know, the the best team, according to Vegas in the NFC right now, I think, right. Or maybe they have the same odds as the Eagles. Um, They don't have a quarterback. (laughs) Kyle Shanahan is quoted as saying in regards to Lamar Jackson, we have three quarterbacks we feel really good about. That was the the fact that he got that out with a straight face is unbelievable to me. (laughs) So by the way, I think, it surprises me that people aren't talking about the Niners and Lamar. I know there's a lot of like interesting things, you know, that have to go on for that, but um, they do not have a quarterback. that They should feel great about right now. Um, Okay.
1: Number two. Saints over 9.5. And this is Ah, you Homer just like this division is so bad. They're going to be favored for six games in the division. And like, I don't, and, and I, and I think that, when we talk about the Saints and what they're doing, I think we talk about them in the way that they're not, even with all these moves and and the restructures and Derek Carr and all that stuff, they're not a Super Bowl contender, but they certainly should be winning this division and and getting into double-digit wins because of the division and because of the rest of the NFC. So that's why I'm a little more bullish on them in that sense rather than it being like, I you know, I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago about, about them being Super Bowl contenders, but division winners and probably over 9.5. 9.5 is pretty high. Like I would rather it at 8.5, but um, I I think they're going to win a division and then that probably gets them to double digits somehow.
2: I'll say this uh, from the trust tree. I actually said maybe they're alternate under, but I will say even after saying that, I think you could talk yourself in both directions where you also could do alternate over of if Michael Thomas stays healthy, if Cam Jordan Demario Davis and Tyron Matthew all stay healthy somehow, which they, they seem to do, um, like you could argue an alt in either direction. Um, so I, I get it.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because they had, I would say, not great injury luck last year. Right. Uh, and had, as I pointed out, Seth, and I'm curious your take here. They basically just got a toupee for Andy Dalton. <laughs> he now has dark hair, right? Like, like yeah. what? What did they really change here? They're just paying a lot more money. Ah, there you that,
1: go. That toupee is costing a lot of money. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Whenever you can pay, this is my thing about free agency. Whenever you can pay three x for something, you've got to do it. Absolutely, it's the Patriot way. Um.
1: <laughs> Num- number number one, Seth. All right, this is uh, maybe a little out of nowhere. I'm not really sure. Cardinals over five point five. Whoa! And I just think like, okay, if you can get two wins without Kyler Murray, and this roster stinks, like I get it. This this is bad roster. But if you can get two wins with Kyler Murray, you're still an NFL team, I believe. Two wins with Ky- without Kyler Murray. Murray comes back, and. I think you can get four wins with Kyler Murray, but it is a tough one. I just wanted to go out on a limb a little bit here because I still like Kyler Murray. I'm curious to see him, what he looks like, not in the area, mm-hmm. right? Like we've only seen him in this very specific system mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very interested to see um what it's going to look like in a more, I guess, traditional NFL offense.
2: I guess yeah. I mean, basically, you're whatever you think Kyler Murray's absence is going to be like—is he going to miss eight weeks, six weeks? You know that that kind of is the bet here. If it, if it's on the shorter side, uh, no pun intended. Uh, you know, <laughs> with Kyler Murray and it, like, he misses like a month, like then you probably do have value yeah. there. I you know, like I'm afraid of this one because they've been saying some things, positive things, but I'm skewing towards maybe they kind of not tank, none of those words, but they they let him come back very slowly because they're not good this year. Um, But, yeah, if if that's not the case, then third overall pick, maybe you trade down or you take a Will Anderson-type player. uh, You know, you can talk yourself into it. The interesting thing
0: with Murray is, so last year, 67 uh, PFF grade. You know, didn't play, obviously, the whole year. But his trajectory leading into last year was really compelling. Like, he had improved in a lot of different He was throwing over the middle of the field a hell of a lot better Um, until he got injured in 2021. I mean, he was at some point, I think he was the MVP front runner, but 82.8 PFF grade in 2020, 84 PFF grade in 2021. And as I mentioned, like in in 2021, he started off the season really up through week seven, I guess it was, um, was just dominating. So the other thing that I'll say about the Cardinals and I like this, uh, bet, Seth, because I didn't think of it. Um, But one of the reasons that I like it is Kyler Murray, what we know, what do we know about Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray loves Kyler Murray. (laughs) That's what we know about Kyler Murray. And no one wants to prove Kyler Murray right more than Kyler Murray. So look, if you're going to uh, motivate someone and, uh, you know, look for someone that cares about the way others think of them, and it's clear that he's hearing a lot of things, and I don't think he's going to want to prove them right off the field. He's going to prove them right on the field. That seems to be his kind of MO. So uh, I can get on board with that.
1: Yeah, like I said, it, going out a little bit on a limb, but like you said, like Calumary had has played at an MVP type level in his past. Now, obviously ACL injury, you never know what you're going to get. And like Brad said, if, it's a, if he's out eight games, mm-hmm. then obviously the five and a half looks a little different. But if he's out four games, five games, I think you can you can live in that world where they get over
0: 5.5. Okay. It is time for the pet peeve
1: or the soft spot with Seth Galina, a recurring segment that our listeners love. Seth. All right. We're going soft spot this week. Uh, something that I've been super fascinated by, fa- fascinated by in the world of soccer. And this ties into all sports, all scheme related stuff. Super fascinating. But there is a team in the English Premier League the Hove Albion, Albion uh, coached by someone named Roberto Zerbi. And the way they play soccer is the most unique thing I've ever seen in my life. They are doing, so I think at most transitional sports, and when I say transitional sports, I mean soccer, hockey, and and basketball, right? These up and down, like you play offense and defense, there's no specialized position, stuff like that. We had like the spread era for all these sports happen at some point. We see it in basketball with, you know, all the three point shooting and soccer. We kind of saw it to a certain degree with the Barcelona teams of like the Pep Guardia Barcelona team, spreading teams out, making, um you know, taking, going sideline to sideline hockey. We we stopped seeing the dump and chase. So we saw more, you know, uh, zone entries and stuff like that. That's kind of spread. I would say, obviously in football too, we saw the spread era happen. Right. And what Brighton is doing under Deserby, and he's done this before with Shakhtar and uh, Sassuola in, in in Syria, is they slow it down completely. They play with the ball in the middle, and they all come to the middle of the field. And what that does is they literally will, the, the center back was bringing the ball out, will literally get to about, let's say, halfway between his own goal line and the, and the midline and just stop. If no one, if no defender comes at him, he literally, I and mean, you can go find clips of this online. He stops and he does not move an inch with the ball. He's like, you better come to me or we're not, we're not playing. Right. And what it, what ends up happening is it forces teams to press them and they are incredibly good at these very short range intricate passing. Cause they're all condensed in the middle of the field. And I was thinking about this and really what it does is it creates, even though you have the ball, it creates a transitional moment down the field on a counter attack, even though you're not countering because what it does is it forces the defense to the middle of the field. And what they'll do is they'll play these, these passes really quickly. And eventually they're looking for a direct ball to the wings or down to, through the middle deeper. And now you're, you're saying, okay, yes, we have the ball, but through this, these mechanisms, we've created this transitional moment where we're one-on-one on on a wing. We're one-on-one down the center. And I mean, they're, they're like, I think they're fifth or sixth place in the EPL this year. And, you know, a small club, Brighton, Hove, Avenue. Incredible, incredible way to watch football and, and talk and look at it. Like, I highly recommend anyone you go on YouTube, find some clips of them just like not, not passing the ball. They just stand there then they get attacked and then they're so good, you know, obviously you need the technical ability to be able to pass in short areas and, and receive the ball in short areas and stuff like that. But like I said, what it does is like they're creating their own counterattack while having the ball, which is, it's
2: fascinating. What's
1: it's like throwing a out ball?
2: a bunch of alignments. It sounds like kind of,
1: yeah. That's, yeah. That's and the like, What's the but like, imagine uh, playing bunch uh, and you uh, had to kick the ball to the other guy
2: near right, you. Right. Right. Yeah yeah. right. yeah. 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 That was beautiful. That was, that was an analogy
0: to like running the football. It, it, there's gotta be something there where you just, there, there's almost establish. A...
1: It's almost like a, like pick and roll type of thing. Spread to mm. run, I think is the way that I would, I would think about it. So it's like, you know, we, we spread to why spreading to run the ball works. Cause you're yes, you still have five off, offensive linemen in the running back and like six people in the box, five people in the box, but like you can create these intricate blocking schemes to get guys free and you don't have, um you know you just have less guys in the box so kind of like that kind of like a pick and roll something like that it just it's the coolest thing I've ever seen and it's completely different than um how soccer had been played like I said kind of starting with the Pep Guardiola Barcelona team spreading teams out sideline
2: to sideline do you think there's a benefit of because obviously like you said Brighton is not like a super talented like is that the benefit too is like you can have lesser athletes and kind of this
1: this is why it doesn't make any sense to me because you the you need all these incredibly technical players. Okay. Okay. In these short areas, now they do have really good wingers, um, like really really good wingers or or, or wingers that having really good seasons in this system, like Matoma and Solly March having really good seasons. So like maybe, you know, you need those two wingers to when you get into the one on ones. But it, that's why it's so fascinating because like you have a guy like Lewis Dunk who's like this like tall English center back. I mean his name is Lewis Dunk. <laughs> and he's like and he's like playing these one twos in his own end and yeah they turn the ball over once in a while yeah but um it's that's why it just makes sense to me because you you' think you you would need super technical players and they do have good players like they play in the EPL right they have good players yeah, so, yeah. Really talented, super talented player but uh it's fascinating again I, I highly recommend watching them
0: whether it be scheme analysis for sports other than football or how to lose a first state. Seth Green is your guy. You can follow him at pff underscore Seth. Uh, you can get his dating analysis with a PFF Plus subscription for promo with a twenty percent off promo code PFF uh, Forecast. <laughs> um, uh, we need to create one for uh, for Seth uh, specifically. But um, Seth, we always appreciate it. Thanks for staying a little bit longer. Uh, enjoy going to bed. Hopefully, at a really early and reasonable right hour tonight.
1: I'm going to bed right now. <laughs> see, you guys.
0: Sweet dreams. Thanks, see. Seth. <laughs> All right, Arjun is back. Uh, he's been in the lab preparing. Uh, you were on DraftKings Sportsbook for what appears to be way too many hours today. Uh, <laughs> we, we, Brad and I, as close friends of yours, received alerts from DraftKings as well, letting mm-hmm. us know that you've been on your DraftKings, logged in your DraftKings account for a while. So you survived. Thank God.
3: Yeah, for reference, uh had a three hour session going today, but it's for the people, it's for the press. I was sending a lot of messages in the Discord today, alerting people like, hey, there's a discrepancy here, there's a bad line here, like this is what some of the trends have been happening. Like you should, you know, this is a good line to go bet. So I've been doing my work for the people, doing my research. And uh I, I won't I will say it wasn't one of my more productive days from an academic standpoint, but uh, you know, it's, it's all right. We all have, we all have one of those days. And I think this was a, a good day to be on DraftKings.
2: You got one of those Netflix, like, are you still watching? Like you have one of those <laughs> things like on, on your DraftKings page, but no, to a serious point, Arjun is blessing the people and a lot of the stuff he puts in there. I'm probably too lazy to go into the discord. So I might shoot him a message and he like puts it in there. He does a ton of research himself. Um, there's been a lot of CLV put in that chat lately from margin. So, uh, get in that discord, if you want to look, m- not, not, every bet's going to cash, but I mean, some of the value we've gotten already this off season is, is pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, I mean, just the Panthers to pick number one alone, uh, has made people thousands of dollars. Um, go get involved in the printing press discord. The link uh, is in the description. If that's not working for some reason or you can't find it, uh, hit us up on Twitter and we will, uh, make sure that you get it. it. It's What's cool about that, we talk obviously a ton about football and draft props and now win totals and everything, but we're betting on Formula One and people are betting everything uh, in there. So um, a lot of a lot of really good uh, content to go check out at the Printing Press Discord. Um, we had a, a question that Seth Galina uh, brought to our attention or concocted in some way, shape or form margin. And I'm curious if you have a take here. Seth goes on a lot of first dates you're in college. So you probably have a different perspective on this. Um, what is a negative two grade? Like what's something you can do on a date first date that earns you a negative two uh, PFF
3: grade. Um. So one, like specifically for men, I think is like splitting the bill. Like at least the way I was brought up, like uh, you know, guys got to take care of the first date, especially if they're the ones initiating. Like I was uh, that's at least that's how my mom raised me so that's that's gonna be you know my answer there it's, it's, i hope people don't think like of me in a weird way after this second answer but anyone lets one rip like in the middle <laughs> <of> <laughs> like in the middle oh, of man. dinner like that would probably be not even minus two i'd be like minus three Honestly, that's like a that's a really bad way to start start it off
0: so here's i'll take it sometimes like an accident might happen but the way you'd make it a minus two is you you say it wasn't you. You're like, oh, no, no, that wasn't me. I don't know who that was. Oh, my God, that smells terrible. (laughs) You believe that? Who is Is this guy? Like, just that's how you make that a minus two. Like, you just got to be like, fuck, shit. (laughs) You
2: can be a farter or a liar. You can't be a farter and a liar. And a liar, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely,
0: Torch. Um, And nowadays, Arjun, you actually might get a negative two grade from some people for uh, assuming that you're going to pay the bill. Just be careful. Just putting it out there. Uh, but I agree with that in general. If you ask someone out on a date, on a first date and you don't pay, I think that goes like, yeah, it goes that same. Um, okay, let's uh, let's dive into some win totals here. We have a little Chiefsaholic content at the end of this. That's uh, going to be exciting. We're pitching a documentary to Netflix. But let's get back on track with uh, some win totals. Um, Arjun, we talked about it as uh, everyone knows here with Judah on Sunday. want to get your kind of perspective on how you treat win totals um you know, how much are you allocating um of your your bankroll to it are you betting a lot are you betting alts are you betting them you know once at this when they're released or are you betting them gradually um how do you treat uh win totals
3: yeah so at least for me um before win totals were even released like i think late february i had like a paper i don't have it with me right now but i kind of just like predicted what I thought win totals should be just like without the odds and and kind of ha- I had that ready and then just be like teams I'm bearish and bullish on so I have like those kind of like things ready uh you know when when totals came out on DraftKings and you know as they came out I kind of just compared the lines to what I thought it should be and uh you know teams I thought I, I would be fading at the right price and would be backing at the right price and so those are that's kind of like my process on top of you know doing my team analysis looking at their schedule I know strength of schedule you know, it changes throughout the year and uh, end of season strength. The schedule is better to look at than preseason. But I think like if, if you know your stuff and you know your research, like you can kind of predict like this will be a cakewalk schedule for some teams. And, um, and, you know, I think that's definitely useful than just like leaving it out of your analysis completely. And then, you know, I'm not betting, I haven't bet any win totals yet. I've kind of like given my liens and just like things I want to consider. I also want to see what like draft Kings or Caesars and, or BetMGM open them up at. like, I don't want to just like, you know, use DraftKings lines because might get a better line when FanDuel or some of these other books release it. So definitely waiting on some of them and also waiting on some of the alt, alt win totals where that is more profitable, I think, than betting some of these minus 130, minus 140 lines. Uh, and, you know, that's something that I think Judah talked about not only in his last episode, but last summer where you want to be looking for those tail outcomes where if you're really bullish or bearish on a team, I'd rather get them at like plus 190 or plus 200 to go a step further than what their, uh, you know, regular win total is. Yeah, it's a good point. The strength
0: of schedule gets thrown around a lot. It's like one of the things that I feel like people tweet about incessantly. Um, and and to your point is that it's, it's similar actually to betting, um, just in general on trends, I find where it's very strong, like heuristically for people in their minds where like they hear it and they can't help, but feel like it matters. Um, and I think intrinsically you hear strength of schedule and you go, oh, that must matter. And like, people don't think about whether that's actually predictive or not They just think about the fact that like, oh, this makes sense to me as being something that's impactful, uh, in the game. Um, okay. Let's, uh, so you have some that you've circled that you like, why don't we go through them, um, and, and discuss where your head's at, see if it's similar to where Brad and I were.
3: Yeah. So my favorite one, I know I talked about not laying too much juice, but my favorite one is Cardinals under five and a half. Like Kyler Murray's probably not going to be playing for most, if not all, of the year. They they're going to trade away DeAndre Hopkins most likely. They lose J.J. Watt in free agency. They lose Byron Murphy, or they lose J.J. Watt to retirement. They lose Byron Murphy in free agency. New head coach, you know, didn't really add a ton over over the offseason. New GM. They might be trading out of three, so the type of impact player they add at the top of the draft is probably not going to be as high as like adding like a Will Anderson. And, you know, I'm just like, I, I don't know, like, I, I just don't really see a lot of ways where the, where the Cardinals get to six wins. I don't necessarily think the roster is that great. And I think they're in a rebuilding stage right now. And, you know, the head coach and GM know it. So I, I don't really like their, you know, prospects heading into the season. And I think like under five and a half wins is definitely like one of my favorite bets, uh, you know, heading into like April. So funny because Seth, Seth's last bet that he liked.
0: And he goes, I don't know uh if this is crazy or not. But he he, he liked Cardinals over five and a half. Um, and I think it speaks to the reason for taking an alt, right? Like if you have a, you know, one way or another, it could be could be really, really bad for them, as you just kind of pointed out. Um, we talked about that a little bit uh as well, uh, Brad on on Sunday with with Judah, but having now heard two perspectives. <laughs> you had to place a bet on one side, where would you go?
2: No, I, I would lean the under. I think they're the worst roster in the NFL, and I think like for me, if you are, if I'm them, which shouldn't, I guess, weigh a lot. But why play? Kyle? I wouldn't even play Kyler at all this year. I mean, I mean, I guess I would like get get his feet under him in the last month of the season, so he, you know, it's not like a rust situation, you know, and that he he has no NFL speed for that long of time. But like, I would sit him for 12 weeks and have no problems about it at all. They're going to be awful. Why would you rush him back?
0: It's interesting because they've – so let me ask you this, Brad. Let's say they don't play him for most of the season and they get the first overall pick. You're taking Caleb Williams, right?
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to trade Kyler Murray, um, but I, it's going to be interesting. It's gonna, What's I mean, his look, dad, first what, of all, what, what Kyler Murray it, is – he he came in behind Josh Rosen after he yeah. was you know the 10th overall pick, so that would be a weird twist of fate. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, that, that's a good point that like – that's going to – that could very well be a decision because I think they are going to be picking top five next year.
0: That would be phenomenal. So what would his contract – like, what would they be paying him to not play?
2: For this year or for, like, going forward? Yeah, going forward. I only pulled up really quick. But, yeah, so, I mean, the thing is you just extended him. So you are, like, from a cash flow standpoint, you're paying a ton um, for not a lot. But, right. okay, so let's see here. If you moved on after next season, you <laughs> – Okay, now you'd have 80, $81 dollars in dead cap. If you trade him, obviously it's different. You're not going to cut him. Yeah. Uh, if you trade him, it's forty six million. So still an NFL record, but um, you know it's 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 palatable, uh, I suppose. What would people trade for Kyler Murray right now? That's the thing. Uh, I mean, you're inheriting. Let's see, thirty seven million fully guaranteed the first year he's there it is obviously a thick uh, price there, uh, and then twenty twenty five is is going to become mostly guaranteed as well. I mean. Uh, it's a good question. I, I really don't know. I think he's interesting to where would a team, like would his pool be smaller in the same way we kind of talk about Lamar Jackson, where like, I don't, I think he's more of a traditional quarterback, but I don't know. Are there teams that don't like him because of his size, because of certain Attitude. stylistic things, you know, is, is there a smaller mark? Yeah. I mean, is, is cod abilities, is, is KD spread uh, on modern warfare on uh, modern warfare two Like all these factors in play.
0: It's very big. And although if you rest this year, you should get very good at Um, All right, Arjun, uh, next one.
3: Yeah, it's another under. um, I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts under six and a half. Um, I really like this one because it's plus 115. Like you're getting plus odds. And, you know, to me, like I'm just, I'm not the biggest fan of the Colts roster right now either. Like they kind of lost some guys in free agency and didn't really do much to replace them. You lose Stefan Gilmore, who's your alpha cornerback one to free agency. You lose Paris Campbell. You lose Bobby Okereke. And they didn't really do much to, you know, uh, replace any of them. They signed Samson Ebbingham, who's their their biggest, you know, impactful move in free agency. He's okay, but like him and Yannick Yannick Ngakwe are pretty much like, I think the same guys, like pretty good pass rushers, maybe not as great run defenders. And then they give Matt Gay a four-year $22.5 million deal, which is their second biggest deal of free agency. And this was, this is a team who ended up picking fourth overall this year. They didn't improve the roster really at all in free agency and whatever quarterback they take, it's probably going to be QB four. And if they trade up to three and take Anthony Richardson, he, in my opinion, is probably gonna have the worst rookie year if he's forced to play all 17 games out of the four quarterbacks. So you're not, you're not going to have a great rookie quarterback to, to play with. You have a roster which ended up winning what five games, four games last year something like that. You didn't improve it that much you made a coaching change but we don't really know how psyching is going to be as a, as a head coach and so i just i'm not the biggest you know i I, don't, I just don't really see a path for them to be super competitive this year the i guess the one thing is their division's not that good you know the texans are 10 to 1 to win the division and uh, titans are uh, plus 350 but titans haven't lost to the colts in like four years three four years or something and Texans like got better over the offseason. and they got better at head coach. They got better, you know, as a roster and they're probably going to have a more impactful rookie quarterback than the Colts are. So I really like the Colts under six and a half. And the fact that we're getting in a plus money, I think, I think that will trend to going closer to even money by, uh, by the summer. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, um, so you've called out two unders on
0: two of the lower win totals, right? So um five and a half is the lowest, I want to say, right? And then six and a half. There's a few teams, the Texans and the Cardinals and five and a half, and then there's a few at, at six and a half. Um the, the the interesting thing with the Colts is I I I don't know why. I guess everyone keeps kind of putting Anthony Richardson on that team. And I do tend to agree with you. As weird as it sounds, like I feel like if he went to most teams, I would actually think he might have like the highest floor because like he can run the ball. There's something weird about the Colts where I I just I don't know. I don't have a lot of fake in their in their roster, so I can definitely get behind that. I
3: don't I, I don't necessarily think it's like about the Colts specifically. I just like Richardson is not like he's he was the most ina- well, he's the most inaccurate quarterback in this draft by far. Mm-hmm. I, I put it out on Twitter today, but he had the ninth lowest percentage of uh, throws chart is accurate by PFF in 2022 in, in among all P five quarterbacks. And he had the eighth highest uncatchable inaccurate throws among all P five quarterbacks in 2022. You're not just going fix, to fix accuracy in one summer or throughout the season. And like, while I think, you know, people have kind of praised his uh, processing and, and mental game side of the game which you know I'm not a quarterback guru so I'm not going to comment on that at least the raw accuracy numbers even when you filter it down by short and intermediate throws isn't good and while his rushing floor like rushing ability gives him a somewhat high floor like Justin Fields was still like you know barely like a top 20 efficient quarterback in his second year in his first year even though he was a great runner he was still pretty inaccurate and like you're you're getting like what top 25 production like is that what people consider to be a high floor like I just like that's where the rushing ability it doesn't like add up to like being like a, a good quarterback because you're inaccurate. Like I think you need to have both sides of that, and I think his inaccuracy will cause some issues, especially for the Colts, where I feel like they they'll be
2: playing from behind a lot of the time, and he's not going to get an opportunity to to run the ball. I also just don't have a good receiving core. Really, Michael Pittman's a good yeah. player. Alec Pierce showed some flashes last year, the second rounder out of Cincinnati, but you lose Paris Campbell. You don't really have much at tight end. Jelani Woods is coming along a little bit, but um, yeah, no, I I agree. Like he's, his ceiling is the highest, not in twenty twenty three, in 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 twenty twenty seven, in 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 theory. Yeah, that was um, that's a bit far out, but yeah, that's uh, yeah twenty twenty five. His ceiling in twenty twenty five is the highest, is what I meant to say. Uh, the year after that, Kale Boom just uh, that Colin Ray gets traded. Um,
0: yeah. Would you feel better about this if they took uh, a quarterback or if they didn't take a quarterback Arjun?
3: I think if they did take a quarterback on I'd feel better about this. But I could see Steichen going with, like, the Anthony Lynn route, who was his former head coach in uh, San Diego slash L.A., and starting Gardner Minshew for a couple games. And, you know, Minshew mania is, like, he's good enough. Friend of the pot, obviously, he's good enough to win mm-hmm. a couple of games here and there. So I'd hope that they draft a quarterback and start him right away. But I could see Steichen going with, the, you know, Anthony Lynn route. Yeah, Gardner's getting these seven wins. <laughs> That's I I remember my favorite Gardner Minshew moment.
0: uh, Yes. From the podcast um, was uh, his week one. I want to say cover. Yeah. That was one of the greatest. It was just, I think they actually played the Colts. Right. Um, And, uh, or it was Colts or Titans. I can't remember, but um, it was just a lock, stone cold lock. Gardner Minshew was just guaranteed to get your team
3: above, uh, above average. Um, Okay. uh, Next one. Um, yeah, next one, it's going to be an over, um, you know, I'm not as strong as the overs as I am with the unders, but I do kind of like the Seahawks over eight and a half minus 105. like a lot of continuity on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, their division win totals have been kind of bet up from plus 475, I think, which is when we gave it out. Now it's like plus 285. So don't necessarily see a ton of value there, but yeah, I mean, Seahawks just, you know, Geno staying Tyler Lockett, DK are all there. You have two picks inside the top. 20 so you're going to be able to add potentially two impactful players on cheap deals and like you know cornerback room got better throughout the year and I, I just i think overall they kept the roster intact and like the rams didn't get the rams got worse the cardinals got worse like their division overall as a whole pretty much got worse and i think the nfc losing brady and losing rogers like there's going to be wins lost because the nfc is just weaker and i think the seahawks could take advantage of that as a team and you know i'm, I'm kind of betting that Gino. You know, will be able to continue at least like above average play, but we did see, like, see it tail off a little bit towards the end. Part of that kind of coincides with Lockett's injury, but I just love the continuity on both sides of the ball for them. And I think, uh, you know, kind of investing in Gino and giving him that confidence will definitely help the offense uh, at least like be productive, especially when Kenneth Walker uh, is still on the team.
2: Yeah, you know I love that one yeah I I'm sitting here just smiling yeah, yeah that's probably my favorite one right now and I think the, the key is what you mentioned is I think it was plus 550 when we gave it out not even plus 475 no. um and, and now it's you know they're, they're they're way down there so um yeah I, there's just so many reasons to like it um that's yeah I'm ha- happy to hear you agree the only thing is um you look at his
0: data from last year you had three games um with a, by the way, you can get this on pff.com or PFF app, get PFF Plus subscription. Um, 91 or higher PFF grade in three games uh, in the first eight weeks. I mean, he was lighting the world on fire. Those games do not happen that frequently. A 90 plus PFF game grade is very rare. From week nine onward, he had only two games with a PFF grade above 70. And those were 72 Point five and 73.4. So the play did tail off rather considerably. Um, that's my, that's my concern, right. Is like, did we see a, who's a good example of this? Um, uh, maybe a extreme case would be like that Billy Volek run or Matt Flynn, right. It's like, they got this like glimmer of, of wonderful play. And then it just kind of all, uh, fades away.
3: Um, does that worry you at all? Arjun? a little bit and George you kind of missed a gimme where Gino was basically Russ where Russ was all, Russ is always an MVP the first eight weeks of the season yeah. and by the end he always tails off so similar to Gino but like I said I think part of that coincides with Lockett getting hurt other maybe could just be Gino's never started a full season before and like it's not like a huge transition but like it's obviously like he hasn't gone some, through something like that teams have more data on Gino where they didn't have date on like what coverages that they should play against him. What, if he struggles versus blitzes, if he struggles versus, uh you know, two high versus one high, all of that, like teams are just better equipped in the second half of the year to make adjustments to him. And so, you know, I'm not putting like a ton of stock in that. I think, you know, I, I kind of believe in Shane Waldron and the offense they run. And like I said, just having two quality tackles, two quality receivers, a good running back, uh, a couple of good tight ends. Like I, they have pieces there to make it work and uh, Gino just needs to give them at least like average quarterback play, which I think he can do.
2: Yeah, no, I think the big thing for me, too, is growth around him. And then, I mean, I am still obviously like I think his game against San Fran, you just compare it to every other QB performance against San Francisco in the playoffs or really for the last 15 weeks of the season. Uh, and his was the best performance. Then, and the grade point, you know, as we know, obviously the grades do capture like when you're doing – when you're getting the big-time throws and, and plus twos and plus one-and-a-halves and all that. Did you know led the NFL in, in touchdown passes of 20-plus yards last year by three touchdown passes? Like he wasn't – he wasn't earning 91s because he was – 29 of 30 for 260 yards and just like was dead on accurate. And like, like, no, he was like taking shots. And then the last piece they do, they do need to add a receiver though. Lockett was hurt. Metcalf was hurt as well. They yeah. kind of have nothing beyond that, you know, solid tight ends. You mentioned Kenneth Walker, but um, that's the piece for me too, is look, they're not going to, re- they're not going to repeat last year's draft, but you have 520 I think the second, the second round pick from Denver as well. Like you're going to add something of value in in the first two days of the draft.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, they do get uh, a lot better. I think, um, you know, the, the worry for me would be percentage of big-time throws and percentage of turnover-worthy plays were equal in the last nine weeks. Um, and for the first eight weeks, we saw those big-time throws, you know, really shine, and we know those are less stable uh, than those turnover-worthy plays. So, I mean, he had a turnover-worthy play in every single game down the stretch, um, more with multiple than with one or, or uh, with one. Um, so that that's my only reservation. I think you make a good point, Arjun, which is like, we did see a lot of this from Russ, um, in his time in Seattle, the t- locket injury is a good call out. Um, but that's like, that's something that happens, right? If, if you're yeah. going to be that, um, fragile to, and I guess D- DK got injured a little bit too. So that's something to, to keep in mind. Uh, but depth at the receiver position is certainly something that, Um, you know, that they'll need this year, uh, in order to to kind of sustain that, um, our Seahawks,
3: um, any other Sergeant? No, that's all I have for now. Um, kind of, maybe we could wait until the alts come out and see if there's any juicy lines there, but as of right now, I think, uh, we're good.
0: And any, uh, draft props. I have not had the pleasure of sifting through the discord, uh, yet today. So can you, can you bless me with, with anything special?
3: Yeah, so there's a there's been a couple that I like. There's been two over unders that have come out. Um, Will Anderson was one. His it, it opened three and a half minus one forty to the over. It's now minus two seventy to the over. So, uh, it's interesting. It seems like a lot of people think someone's gonna trade up to air uh to three for with Arizona. Um, Christian Gonzalez opened uh, over six and a half. It opened like minus one fifty. It got bet down to minus one twenty and. 20 minutes later, uh, it's back up to minus 160. So a lot of movement there, uh, which is I think is pretty interesting. seems like people think Gonzalez is going to go uh, past pick six. Um, but in terms of bet, bets I've made and I kind of like, so one that I want to talk about is the Falcons, uh, what they're going to do with their first pick. So you can find this um, under the draft draft specials tab on DraftKings uh, or on FanDuel. And you can bet Falcons to take a D-line or edge player at plus 170. Which I think is a good bet. Like they added Caden Ellis in free agency. They re-signed Lorenzo Carter. They have a bitty key day from last year. But I just like those aren't guys that wow me. And I think you have to get like if you want to draft an edge guy and you want him to be impactful, you have to get him in round one, and especially in the top ten. The hit rates for top ten edges are, are like much higher than everywhere else. And so you think about, you know, Tyree Wilson could fall. Nolan Smith could be there. Van Ness could be there compared to the second highest favorite position on on FanDuel for the Falcons is corner, but they have AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward on the roster. I know Casey Hayward is old. He's a Chargers legend. So I love the guy. I know he's getting up there in age. He missed some time with injury, but if he's on the roster by the draft, like I just don't see the, the Falcons taking a corner and playing and benching Casey Hayward. He doesn't add special teams value. So You know, it kind of makes sense that if he's on the roster, him and Terrell are going to be the starters, and they're not going to take a slot corner at eight. So to me, edge or D-line seems like the obvious choice. They're probably going to go edge because they signed on Yamada and free agency. So I really like the Falcons at plus 170. We gave it out to the Discord at plus 200, and now it's, you know, plus 170. So a little bit of cleave there, but I would take, you know, that D-line or edge down to like plus 130, plus 125.
2: One more data point in favor, too. I think receiver's fairly high on there. A, I don't think eight is going to be a receiver. It's a little bit early. And B, they used eight on a receiver last year and four on a pass catcher before that in Kyle Pitts. So uh, I just don't see that happening for the third year in a row, uh, especially when they want to run the ball 70% of the time anyway. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, keep keep picking these guys high so that they can uh, pass block uh, or run block. Um, Really important. Um, I like that one uh, quite a bit. Um, i trying to think about the players that might, it feels like, you know, those guys are going to drop by virtue of the teams jumping up to, to draft um, the, the quarterbacks. If you have four quarterbacks going in the top five, who are the other players that are even like capable of going in that zone? Right. I mean, I think it's, it's the three defenders that you just mentioned um, someone else is going to have to go top eight, right. Um, I wonder, like, is it is it a Christian Gonzalez? Like, I, I do think corner is general. I would see receiver falling more than corner. I think would be
2: my take for sure. I don't think that that's what the the books certainly think as well. Um, Arjun, touch on there's probably no value left, but uh, our conversation about Christian Gonzalez earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, this is one we we blessed the Discord with, but Christian
3: Gonzalez just a couple of days ago was like fifty to one. To be the first defender taken on oh, wow. a majority of books on DraftKings currently is down to plus seven fifty. So you know, in terms oh. of implied probability, it isn't like a a huge swing, but like you know, obviously when odds kind of shift like that, it, it signals something. Um, you can still get it at twenty two to one on Caesars. It's plus seven fifty, like plus nine hundred ish on DraftKings. So definitely shop around, get the best price there. But um, you know, I, I forget his name, Brad. You could update it, but like they got this one guy had a mock draft where he had. Arizona taking Christian Gonzalez at three. And so if Arizona doesn't trade out, I don't think will Levis is like this lock to be as, as the first defender taken. Like I've heard Kyrie Wilson has been loved by, by some people, even though he's kind of old, he has a lot of and in very intriguing traits and not to mention the Cardinals lost Byron Murphy in free agency and haven't really found like a true number one alpha guy to replace him. And Christian Gonzalez would be that guy for them. And so if they do decide to go corner, it would be Gonzalez. But, uh, sorry, Brad, what was his name again that did the mock That's show? I think you're talking
2: about Anthony Amikista, uh, yeah. I think it is. But uh, your, your friend Brad Spielberger also had Christian Gonzalez as the first defensive player taken in his mock draft this week. Uh, that was not an accident. Uh, I think it's very, very possible. that I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it's very possible it happens.
0: Oh, I love, I love that feeling of we're getting closer to the draft, and uh, you can feel the energy starting to to percolate. We'll we'll syndicate action, uh, maybe maybe just like a couple of days away, um, based on what I'm hearing. But uh, I like that. I mean, you could also see the Cardinals trading out of three team trades up, pick quarterback, and they trade back, you know, and go, okay, well we'll we'll take you know Gonzalez then uh at that point so
2: if if indy's still there at four, it's what i did my, my mock if indy's still there at four you already mentioned earlier they add samson abakam they have Deo Dengbo, they have uh Pay, they have an interior defensive line so like maybe they do take jalen carter but you had the forest buckner you have grover stewart mm-hmm. and they traded stefan gilmore away they have maybe the worst outside corners in the nfl so i think three and four yeah. and you could argue five at seattle too um, you know, they, Michael Jackson, they signed for a minimum contract. He was their starting outside corner last year, opposite Tariq Woolen, literally on a minimum deal, like I think three, four, five, uh, look, they probably go d defensive line, but if they take Christian Gonzalez, I would be the least bit surprised.
0: It's really interesting. Um, okay, cool. Well, I guess I got to spend more time in the discord, uh, and, and figure my life out. Uh, this was, uh, the betting portion of the, uh, podcast we are now going to transition gracefully into some important news that i did not know about maybe you all listening know about this but a uh, very important update on chiefsaholic uh brad can you give us a little background for anyone that does not know who, or does not live on twitter what who Chief Saholic is and what the hell has happened with this guy
2: i will i will and i also i'll throw in there is one more bet i want to get to a golf yeah. bet to close off the pod so Perfect chiefs is a gentleman that is a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan, maybe the biggest Chiefs fan in the game. He goes to every game wearing a full-on like wolf costume. If you haven't seen it, Google it, go check it out. The story came out this year that there were a string of bank robberies across the country, and they started to realize – that these, these robberies were happening in cities where the chiefs were playing road games and chiefs a has now been linked to like a half dozen of these robberies where he was apparently <clears throat> going to these places, robbing banks, using that money to get like, he would take pictures of him sitting in like the fifth row of games, you know, having a ball always. You never saw his face. Cause he's in a full cost bottom. Um, Anyway, the law finally caught up to our dear friend Chief Saholic. He did get arrested. Um, this is right before the Super Bowl. He actually tried to get out on bond by arguing that he had Patrick Mahomes MVP tickets and Chief Super Bowl tickets that he had to cash, which I mean, let the man live. Like let the man cash some tickets. So, so anyway, so he did get out on bond. He was not allowed to go to the big game. Uh, he's on he's been on house arrest. The most recent development our friend Chiefsaholic is on the lam. He he cut off his his Whoa. his location tracking anklet, and he is try assume fleeing the country. Um, you know, or 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 just you know doing something. So, yeah, that that's the current situation. Uh, we wish him the best. We hope we hope he's safe and sound wherever he may be. Uh, and go Chiefs.
0: Has anyone seen Chiefsaholic and Eric Eager in the same uh place at the same
2: time? He looks about six three in the pictures. That's all. That's all I'll say. <laughs>
0: is he a stretch
2: three? Or a he's, stretch, he's stretch, five, kid, stretch four.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, can he can he run the pick and pop
0: like, like a good doctor King?
2: <laughs> his uh, elbow
0: jumper is that people talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. The,
2: that's incredible. So he might be coming through my neck of the woods on his way to Tijuana. He sure he certainly might be. If you see a gentleman in a full wolf costume and a chief's Jersey, just, you know, that'd be, Hey, if we get an exclusive with chiefs a on the pod, can you yeah. imagine?
0: Oh my God. That'd be incredible. Um, I respect the guy that he had um, tried to argue his way out to to cash betting tickets.
2: Well, I mean, look, if you are robbing banks and putting all of that on a ticket, like, I feel like, I don't know, it's it's a tough line to to navigate. Like, is that, you know, are they going to take the winnings, just the initial principle? Like, what is, you know, what is yours and what is not? you know, I think you could argue both directions, right? Did,
0: Did he have a real job or like, was he literally just like living the dream?
2: I, I don't know. That's a great question. I think he was just living the dream because, I mean, look, going to travel around the country, I guess games are on Sundays though. So you, you could have a normal nine to five or, and then just throw on your wolf costume for the weekends. Yeah. He's yeah. a furry of sorts, <laughs> sports like, furry. Um,
0: <laughs> Made me think of a great uh, movie, by the way, uh, The Town. Which I have not watched in a while, but I did watch it. Great film. You, you took Arjun.
2: Out. Yeah, Arjun lost. <laughs> <You got it. laughs> what, did you
0: what did you even say? Oh my god! What what Nothing. what cracked Arjun up so badly? What did you say,
2: paul oh, Referred to him as a sports furry, I think. I'm uh, not sure. <laughs> I'm I can't speak. Right. To, I can't speak to it. All right, your golf bet. Yep. All right. So the masters is next weekend. Uh, I promise you on Sunday and next Wednesday, Wednesday, I'll have a dozen bets, uh, if not more for each show, but just one to get the, get the, the uh, wet, the beak a little bit, get the juices flowing. So here, here's the premise. Here's the, the thesis, whatever smart word Judas says. So uh, of the, of the last 11 masters, nine of the 11 winners have had a T to green strokes gained of at least 1.7 kind of an arbitrary cutoff, but nevertheless, that is the stat. There's only about a handful, about a half dozen guys, coming into this tournament as of this, you know, so far this season that have had a stroke uh, T to green strokes gain of 1.7 or better. One of those players is Cameron young, a rookie of the year last year, a very, very good young player. We've talked about him on the show before. Um, This is not why I like the bet. um, I promise, but, anyway I've joined datagolf.com if you want to dive into betting golf for just knowing golf more datagolf.com is I, I I was I had an origin level four hour day on there over the weekend um so a couple other notes the, the coolest thing I think they do is you can compare the the similarity between courses so Cameron Young came in second last year the runner-up at the British Open um at we're at St Andrews historic course great course they that is the sixth most similar course in the world to Augusta Georgia very very similar track. The last piece here, last week in the WGC Dell, which is a match play type tournament, a very cool tournament. He had a front nine where he shot a three on every single hole. He had a 27 and literally was on fire. Played well the rest of the weekend, didn't win the entire thing, but did very, very well. And his approach game in particular, he set a record. He ever, he gained four strokes on approach shots alone um, in one round, which like, I, I think it's a record maybe for the, I don't know, for, for any period of time. So anyway, His game is just perfect for this course. He can drive. He's not Rory McIlroy, but he's got a solid driver. And accuracy off the tee is huge at the Masters. And then your approach shot, your second shot is huge. He's a solid putter, I I will be honest. If he was a better putter, I think he would have already won a major at this point. Um, but Augusta has, you know, the greens are fast. But there's not; it's not the worst place to putt in the world. Um, he is thirty-three to one on BetMGM. It's better. I like it too because it's twenty-eight to one on DraftKings, and I want to say twenty-five to one on Caesars. So BetMGM thirty-three to one. A little bit of value there. Um, that is one early, you know, to win bet that I'm placing now.
0: I like it. We talked about him before. Um, I'm a fan of of Cameron Young as well, and the best part. Maybe not the best part about him, but he rocks an MLB logo on his hat. And like I think also is like apparel. It's amazing. And uh, baseball starting up tomorrow. So great timing. Um, but Goes alive. Right, his, his game really fits perfectly because it's all about the approach. Putting at Augusta is really all about where do you put your putt? Like that's what it is. If you get on the wrong side of the whole or you can't get close enough to the hole, like you are just screwed because the, the greens are so fast and, and you will get torched. And so that's, um, you know, it's less sticky um, than driving uh, strokes gained, more sticky than putting. Putting is like up play under pressure. Like it's just like good luck trying to uh, bet based on that. But the approach is what matters most at Augusta and, and really dictates the putting. So I like that one a lot. 33 is also like kind of right in that range where there's a possibility for you to actually win the tournament, um, you know, and, and, but you're still getting some, uh, some super long odds. I'm going to go place that bet right now. I'm stoked.
2: There, there you go. Yeah. So like I just if people are curious too. I know it's kind of a random arbitrary cutoff, but the six players that are currently plus seven players that are currently have a T to green since the January, January 1st of 1.7 or better. Scotty Shuffler way out in front of 2.4 Roy McIlroy at 2.0, Cameron Young beat Roy McElroy in the WGC last week. And then Victor Hovland, our guy, it's finished top 10 for us. Kyle Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay, always fade Patrick Cantlay. Um, and Tony Finau, that is the seven players. Um, and Young has bet longer odds than a lot of those people, um, which is also kind of why I like this bet as well. What's Finau? Oh, 1.7, Oh, what's his, uh, his odds? Let's see. Finau,
0: also a guy that has traditionally played pretty decently at Augusta remember he was in that final group with Tiger and um, Molinari when uh, when Tiger ended up winning. Um, famously, like, almost broke his
2: ankle or did break his ankle and still finished, I think, top five. So um, Yep, so he's plus 2,200, so 22 to 1. Um, yeah, that was when he the, – the ankle shattering was when he played the the par 3 course. That was a classic. <laughs> That's
3: incredible.
0: Arjun, how stoked are you for the Masters? Pumped?
3: I'm, I'm jumping with joy inside. You just can't see it on my face. Yeah,
0: there you go. Join the, uh, the Printer Press Discord and um, give uh, Arjun tons of advice on the Masters so that he can watch it. Uh, that was our show. We'll be back on Sunday night. Enjoy. It. There's Formula One racing as well this week. Uh, that'll be something that is in the Discord as well. So if you want to talk Formula One, go jump in there. Have a great rest of your week. Love you all. Peace. <laughs>